morning, everybody. Um, excited to jump into the Word today. It's a pretty heavy one, but it's going to be a good one. Uh, actually, it's not heavy at all. It's pretty exciting, but you're going to see why real quick. Uh, some people will call it a heavy passage. <laughs> uh, but bear with me. We're going to jump in it and go through it. It's in Colossians, where we've been moving through in chapter 3. Um, excuse me. If... Uh, if uh, you've been around watching this video for any amount of time, you already know this, but I'm going to say it again. As I say it all the time, this is not church. This is just me unpacking the text and pulling apart the word. Tonight, we'll gather to actually get into discussion about it and kind of get deeper into the word, talk through uh, what, it, what it means and really ask some questions and wrestle with it. Uh, you're welcome to come. We're in Tempe, Arizona. And we'll we'll give you the address, hit us up online, social media, or email, or whatever you want to do, and we'll be happy to um, tell you how to get here and how to come jump in and be part of what we do. We spend some time praying, we spend some time eating, it's awesome, it's fun, there's nothing weird or crazy about it, love to have you come. Uh, but let's get into the Word and go from there. Uh, I'm still adjusting to this camera, you know, somebody asked me the other day, is it easier to be on camera now? No, it's not easier. <laughs> I still miss faces. I still miss talking to people. So if I act weird or get awkward every once in a while, sorry, it's what it is what it is. You get the live version. I don't have an editing crew to fix it for me. So anyway, Colossians 3 verse 18 is where we're going to pick up uh, from where we left off last week. So let's go there. Uh, oh, and be reminded, Colossians 3, 3, our theme for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Throw that up every time because it's important to keep that in mind as we continue to push through. So here we are, verse 18, Colossians chapter 3. Wives, submit to your husbands. See, there it goes. There it is already. Some of you are already cringing. <laughs> as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. We're going to add one more verse. Masters. Treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. All right. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. God, it is amazing. It is your word, not my word. And I pray that as we look through it now, uh, that you're glorified by everything that's said and that your word would change our lives. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, so I saw this video the other day. It's been kind of circulating around of a guy uh, using one of those post post hole or post uh i don't know what they're called they're like a driver they slide over a, a fence post so you can grab it on both sides and bang the thing down in the ground but this guy was using it like a bat like a hammer almost he was hammering down on top of the thing and uh you have to see the video but it was kind of funny seeing him use this tool completely inappropriately um and the dumb thing is that it actually was kind of getting the pole in the ground but it was doing damage to the pole, it was doing damage to the tool, and probably was doing damage to him too because it wasn't being used properly. Um, this guy was just missing it. 
and misusing it at the same time. So I want to kind of come around that thought and think today about when we, how when we understand our purpose, when we understand our purpose and we allow God to use us for his glory, it makes our lives fulfilled. It makes our lives fulfilled and it makes our lives effective while also accomplishing exactly what he designed it for. Okay? So that's where we're going today. Today we're going to look at finding your purpose. So knowing who you are has been the series and now we're going to look at finding your purpose. And you're going to see here that when you accept God, accept serving each other, listen to me now, accept is a big word, when you accept serving each other, all right, through loving submission, respect as an act of worship to God, then you're going to find your true purpose, I promise you. And you can have a life that is full of meaning. Um, and it leaves an impact on others long after you're gone, which is what I think we all hope for. So I'm going to break it apart in four different areas according to the text, finding your purpose in marriage, finding your purpose in family, finding your purpose in work, finding your purpose in worship. Um, now, I already said it, but how many people read through these kind of texts like this and get all bent out of shape because of some of the words, in particular this one, submit right out of the gun. But they miss the point because they get so hung up on the word. Maybe it's you. I don't know. But it's it's crazy because this passage is talking about things, about how God feels in relation to these particular things, each of these things that we're looking at. And what that means is that when we align ourselves with these things, God responds to that. That's what it's telling you, that God responds to that. That's where our purpose comes in and how we interact with each other in ways that generate a response from God. You understand what I'm saying? It pleases God. That, that leads us towards a closer relationship with Him. A closer relationship with Him. And it provides uh, justice and reward from God. That's a guarantee in the text right there. So before jumping in completely... Uh, I know not everybody's married. I know not everybody has kids. It doesn't mean that you need to just shut it out and forget about it because you may be married one day. You may have kids one day. Either way, odds are good you know somebody that is married or married and has kids, and maybe this is something you can share with them when they need it. We're also going to pull Ephesians in here a lot as a parallel because they're incredibly similar. Again, Paul wrote them about the same time, but they give such clarity we're going to use them side by side. The Ephesians verses. So Colossians 3 verse 18, marriage. We'll start there. And this one will get the, the meat of the discussion here. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord, fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So submit right there. It means place yourself under. We'll spit it right out. That's what it means. Now, again, keep in mind, we're talking about the Bible, so... You're not wrestling with me. If you're wrestling, you're wrestling with the Bible. But it says submit. It means to place yourself under. Nobody's comfortable with the word. I know that. But before we unpack it, let's read Ephesians 5 alongside this, okay? Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. 
Verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 33, he goes on, he says, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So I'm trying to kind of just overview the the similar moments between the two verses. So, um... Is submission, let me just start right here, is submission offensive to you, personally? Why? Why? you got to ask that question. Love and submission are synonymous with Paul. All right? They're synonymous here. Why do we feel like we need to apologize when we bring up the word submission? Why do we need to do that? Why do women assume submission is always about them? Why do men assume submission never applies to them? That's not true either. Uh, it's in our DNA. That's the problem. It goes all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis 1.26, the Bible tells us we were created in God's image. We were designed in a specific way to glorify Him. And that came through being submissive to Him. Do not touch this tree. Be submissive to him. Obedient, be submissive to him. We can have everything. Don't touch that tree. But there's a serpent there. You know the story filled with an evil spirit, um, the devil, and already out of submission and in rebellion with God. He was already out of submission and rebellion with God. So Eve chose to defy submission to God and take the fruit. And then she hands it to her husband, who's standing right there. You can go back and read it. And Adam does the same thing she did. And the result is death. But you can note throughout the Bible that God faulted Adam for that death, not Eve. God uh, held Adam responsible. For instance, just one verse, Romans 5.17, Paul said, Because of one man's sin, talking about Adam, death reigned through that one man, talking about Adam. Until Christ comes is where he goes. But the point being, it wasn't through one woman. It was through one man. God held Adam responsible. And anyway, it caused this ongoing struggle from Adam and Eve forward. But this ongoing struggle with position, respect, authority, and submission. Constant struggle from that point forward. For instance, it's in the curse. You can go back and look at Genesis chapter 3 in your own time. And when God curses these people involved, he curses the serpent, the man, and the woman. When he curses the serpent, the serpent's forced to crawl on the ground in submission to everyone. The man, he's not going to be able to get the ground to submit to him and produce food. And without a struggle and a war, the woman is going to hurt as she brings life into the world. And, and there's going to be great struggle in her home. And there's going to be battle within her home, even with her husband's leadership. Is going to be an ongoing battle. And it makes sense that submission should be difficult for us. It should, I understand that, because it was difficult in paradise. <laughs> if it was difficult then, how much more now? So just kind of, here's to the point. As Paul says, husband, love your wife and don't be harsh, is what he says. Be kind hearted, like we talked about last week. Even more so, what he wrote in Ephesians, die for her. Die for her. Wives, submit to him. doesn't say submit to men in general. This is not about the battle of the sexes. It's not about submitting to men in general. It says submit to your husband. 
He's yours. And if he's doing what God tells him to do, he's going to die for you. He's going to die for your honor. He's going to die to protect you. He's going to die to provide for you. Um, There is no distinction in value here between men and women. None. Only in purpose. And I know this because this is the exact same thing Christ did. Think about it. How did Christ, because this is Paul's comparison, how did Christ love the church? Was he harsh and firm? He humbled himself. He descended from a place of honor, submitted himself. He became a servant. His character was assassinated. He was beaten. He was spit upon. He was mocked. He was stripped. He was physically nailed to a cross of wood. He was put on display, and then he died for his church, his bride. But he also rose, and he won victory for his wife. He didn't need it. He won it for her. Victory for his wife. And he presents her spotless now because he took her sin and has given her his righteousness. That's what he's done for her. He has given her life. Woman, would you submit to that kind of man? Okay, I get it. What if he's physically hurting you? I know that there's a lot of what ifs. We're not going to go into them all, but I'll take that one. What if he's physically hurting you or something? Remember, it's never just you. Christ is there with you. Christ can defend you for sure. It's never just you. But at the same time, you may need to get away for some time. You may need to get away from him. Hey, reach out to us. Call us. We would love to be an encouragement, a help, and a support to you. Get a hold of some friends. Get some support around you. Um, And listen, if you're the kind of dude that's hitting your wife or hurting your wife, first of all, I would challenge that you're a believer at all. That, That would be number one. All right? And I can tell you this, I have a daughter, if you were hurting her, it's not going to go well for you, my friend, I promise. And that's just me, I'm not even, I'm just a guy. She is a child of the king. She is a child of the one who created you. You better be careful who her dad is. Just saying. Alright, so, your purpose in marriage, your purpose in family. So let's get it in there quickly. Verse 20, children, obey your parents. Look, the word there, parents, they're both united in everything here, for this pleases the Lord. Children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. That's a great statement to hear. Verse 21, fathers. Notice it doesn't say parents here. It narrows it down to fathers. It doesn't say wives here. It narrows it down to fathers. Um, And not all husbands are fathers, but this is what it's saying. Do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged, which means fathers have the power To discourage them. That's wild. Let me give you the the parallel. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That you may live long in the land. Uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Excuse me, my thing is messing up over here. Let me see if I can fix it there. Told you I'm live. This whole thing live, man. You get it. You get every little mess up you can get. So <laughs> um, anyway, what age are these children that he's talking about? What age are they? Notice Paul says it directly to them. 
couple of observations. What age are they? And notice that he's saying it directly to them. So are they little kids here? Are they reading it themselves? Paul's assuming they're going to either read it or they're going to hear it. I'm assuming he, he's counting on the parents to say it to them. Parents, are you telling your children what the Bible has to say specifically to them? This is Paul writing it to them. Children, obey your parents. So, I mean, are you telling them that? Are you teaching them what the Word has to say? Are you bringing them up, as he said, in discipline and instruction of the Lord? Because there's beautiful promises if you do. Right there in the text. And child here, to answer the question of how old they are, can apply to any age. The word there can apply to just about any age. The idea is, even if you're 50 and your parents are still alive, you're still their child. You know? But why mention only fathers as provoking children here? It's amazing the impact that a father has on a child. It is amazing. And I don't have to give examples of this. I'm not going to come up with the illustration for that. I thought about it. But you know what? There's so many and it's so well known, so well documented. Uh, but I can say what's surprising is that even in Paul's day, it was a big deal. It was noteworthy the impact that a father has on their child, even in Paul's day. Um, when we bring our children up, teaching them God's word and Doing it together as parents. When fathers are in their children's lives and encouraging them rather than antagonizing them, we find a blessing from God and purpose in life that's reflected in the generations that will come after us. And what we invest in them, the way we love them, it goes on long after we're gone. Uh, work. Let's get it in. Marriage, your purpose in marriage, your purpose in family, your purpose in work. Verse 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service. Basically, that means mean it. Even when no one sees it, mean it. As, not as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Now, that's so hard. Like, be sincere as a bond servant. Be sincere. Fearing the Lord, that's the only way you could have a heart that's sincere, when, if, especially if you're being in some form of uh, oppression here. The only way you're going to be sincere in what you're doing is by fearing the Lord above all. Verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Verse Chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to pull that verse up and put it here. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. I'll give you the parallel. Ephesians 6, 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Notice he's saying that as a servant here, you're doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will. As to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whatever he is a, or whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Uh, bondservant here has been developed into all kinds of, uh, attractive, Less harsh words 
Uh, but it means slave. That's just, I mean, it's just, it's about as simple as it gets. It means slave. It's literally one who is legally owned by another, by a purchase, and is completely dependent upon that person for livelihood and for whatever purpose their life is going to have. That's why Paul would use the same word to say who we are in Christ, that we are bondservants to Christ because he purchased us. For a price, he died. We legally belong to him. Um, we are fully dependent upon him for our livelihood and for our purpose, which is what we're talking about right now. Um, so in the context here in Colossians, it means what it says. It's slaves and masters, just like it says. Uh, but note that Paul is not encouraging or supporting it here. So it's not race to say, oh, Paul says slavery should whatever. No, 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 no. He's, not, he's simply telling you how to find purpose in it if it's where you are. That's, that's it. He's not saying it's right or wrong here. And there's a lot to be talked about with it. I'm not going down that road right now. I'm just saying what Paul is saying is not about whether it's right or wrong. He's just saying that if you find yourself in that situation, here's how you gain purpose in it. For us, who I'm assuming all or the majority, if not all, are not slaves uh, or slave owners. So it's easier to set this into a workspace. Um, you know, how we're serving our employer. Um, how do you work as an employee for a boss, especially when it's not easy to work for that man or that woman? I've had some of those jobs, believe me, when it's real challenge to work for that person. Um, how, how are you doing it? Are you really working or are you just pleasing them? Are you just trying to satisfy them but inside you hate every second of it? He says not to do that. He says sincerity of heart. I feel like the only way you're going to get there is to say, no, you know what? I fear the Lord above all and this is what he's telling me and I'm going to depend on him, which it's what he's saying. Um, if you're the boss here, how do you respect and serve your employees? They got needs and stuff. Hey, are you fair? That's what he says. Be fair. Are you threatening? Nobody wants to worry about whether they're going to lose their job. Be fair. Don't be threatening. And in these things, you're going to find purpose at work. I mean, I'm sure you probably, what, what are you talking about? Well, think about how worship would change if we realize that it's also done through being submissive to your boss. For instance, I wonder if there's a person on your job who watches you taking hits from your boss and sees how you respond. I wonder if there's somebody there that watches what you do and how you respond to being, you know, under the gun of the boss if you are. I wonder what it says about them, or excuse me, what it says to them about God and the God you serve in the way that you're responding and stuff. Your purpose on your job becomes so much bigger than just being mistreated or overlooked for advancement. You, your response and the way that you work could be the very thing that turns somebody's eyes to Jesus. Again, purpose even in your work. Worship. Uh, purpose in your marriage, purpose in your family, purpose in your work, purpose in worship. Um. If you haven't noticed, there's been a thread running through all of these that's just beautiful. As to the Lord, 
as is fitting to the Lord. This pleases the Lord. Fear the Lord. This is all about Him. This is all about our relationship to Him. This is about worship. Um, Colossians 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He says knowing. So your work and your situation and the way that you really handle all of these things is in light of knowing, knowing, not hoping or assuming or, you know, knowing that from the Lord you're going to receive the inheritance, he says. Notice what that reward is. Notice what that reward is. It's not a promotion. It's not money. It's not a boat. It's not that trip you've been after. Uh, it's not a man- Listen, it's not a mansion or streets of gold in heaven. That's not what it says. It's not what it says. It says your inheritance is your reward. Your inheritance is your reward. What's your inheritance? Christ is your inheritance. Jesus is. Freedom from sin that comes from being united with him. We suffer in this life with him. And we have the hope of a life, beyond, a life after death with no suffering because of him. Um, freedom from all sin and suffering when we go to be with him. That's our inheritance. Basically him. That's our inheritance. That's your reward. That's the reward that you set in front of you, and then you go, I'm serving him. So no matter what you do in handling any of these things, you're serving him. Whether it's the wife trying to submit, you're submitting to him. Whether it's the husband trying to love the wife, you're loving him. It's all serving towards him. Work, you're serving him all the way through, all right? Children, you're serving him, you're respecting him, you're loving him. Verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. Basically saying there, he's a just God, justice will be served, and it will be the truth. It will be the truth. And the best way to endure if you're being mistreated is to cast yourself into the hands of God who judges justly. And sees everything and doesn't discriminate and doesn't prioritize. He doesn't care who you vote for. He doesn't care whether you made the right decision on this and the wrong decision on this, but the right decision on that. He doesn't, none of that matters. He doesn't care what color your skin is. He doesn't care how holy you think you are. He doesn't care how many schools of theology you went to. None of that stuff matters. He judges completely impartially. And the only thing he's looking for is his son. Is Christ in you? It's been the theme of the whole book. Um, But this opens the door for us to worship him all the more because we lay it at his feet and we serve him. Um, Wrongdoer here, by the way, is not just applicable to the slaves and masters thing. It's not just the master who's this wrongdoer. It goes for all these. The crooked, hateful boss... The selfish parents, the cruel father, the abusive husband, uh, the rebellious wife, all of them. Those are the wrongdoers that are going to be paid back for the wrong that they have done according to the word. But that's also in light of our aligning ourselves 
with what he said about us, whether that means submitting or loving um, or serving. And our purpose really here is so much bigger than just our own little desires. All right? It's invo- it involves so many other people and so many other relationships. But what if we only had to focus on one and the rest of it worked out? This is good news. What if we only had to focus on one relationship and the rest of it worked out? Well, that's exactly what it means to find your purpose in worship. You are serving him only. You worship him only. You honor and respect him only. You submit to him only. And then it flows down into everything else. If you do that, guess what? You're going to submit to your family. You're going to honor and love your wife. You're going to submit and you're going to work and you're going to serve in ways that set you apart from people who are typically frustrated and bitter at their job. And it creates an opportunity for others to see Jesus. There's no greater purpose than that. That's the greatest one. The key to this, to knowing your purpose in whatever situation is in Ephesians. It's the same discussion, but in Ephesians uh, before going into what all we've read in the same chapter, though, in Ephesians 5, Paul wrote in verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's it. Out of reverence to Christ, you submit to one another, male, female, uh, you know, however it looks, on the job, off the job. You submit to them out of reverence for Christ. I get it. You know, maybe maybe you've got a horrible partner, husband, wife, whatever. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're frustrated and sick and tired of it. Maybe you don't feel loved at all. Maybe you feel disrespected. He doesn't ever listen to me. Maybe you feel like she don't ever listen to you. I don't know. Maybe your kids are crazy. Maybe you feel like nothing's right in any area of your life. Maybe you can't keep a job. Maybe when you get a job, it always goes wrong. Maybe you think you don't even have a purpose. Like I have no, there's no purpose to my life anymore. Maybe you feel like you're ready to be done. Maybe you feel like your life is over. I I can promise you that in Christ, you are priceless. I know that because he died for you. That's, That's the most expensive cost that could ever be paid priceless you have a purpose and it is an epic purpose you just have to hear what i'm saying he alone can change everything he alone can take that hopelessness and turn it into joy he alone can do that because he alone walked in our shoes he knows what it feels like to be here and to struggle he knows what it feels like to be born a man on this earth he knows what it feels like to suffer He knows what it feels like to die. Um, He knows also what conquering death looks like because on the third day he left that grave. That's the gospel. That's the good news. All because he desired to have his bride. And as the church, when you give your life to Christ, you become that bride. You are that person for for whom he died. That's the life he's giving to you because he loves you. That's purpose. And then everything comes alive when you do that. And I challenge you like I do every week. If that's you, if that's you right now, you need to just tell him. Get on your knees if you want. Close your eyes. 
or stand up and shout, walk out in the front yard. I don't care. Just tell him, Lord, I need you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I surrender. I submit to you. I love you. I, I trust you. Live in me. Guide me. Lead me. I know I'm a sinner and I've messed this up. I don't know. I mean, you ain't got to quote me. You say it however you feel it. But that's where it comes from. And then let us know. Shout at us or get with some solid Bible teaching believers that can help you grow deep in the Word. And again, if you're already part of that church, if you say, I'm already the bride here, I already belong to Christ, check yourself and see if you're submissive or oppressive. Are you submissive or are you oppressive? Are you putting others first and respecting them, or are you just demanding respect from them? You know, are you loving husband and a kind-hearted father? Is that you? Are you working hard even when other people that you work with uh, complain and moan and hate their job? Uh, is your work something something you see as glorifying God and not man? Is that where you're at? If not, then you need to spend some time in prayer, spend some time in his word. And listen, maybe get some other people around you that can help you be accountable. Tell them, you know, hey, look, when, when you see me being ugly to my kid, I give you permission. Check me off on that. When you see me being disrespectful to my husband, hey, check me off on that, you know. If you hear me complaining and angry and mad at work or you see me loafing, check me off on that. Put somebody in your life, obviously a believer, that you can trust, that knows the word, and let them have that that, that position um, in order to help you walk straight. I need it too, believe me. All right, let me pray for us, uh, and I hope we get to see some of you tonight. Um, I know I will. I know we'll see a handful of you for sure, so looking forward to that. But uh, again, anybody's welcome. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. It is amazing. I thank you for the time uh, to unpack it today, even though there's been technical issues here and there. It's been good just to pull your word out and spend some time sitting in it and thinking through it, Lord. I love you. You are an amazing, incredible God. Thank you for forgiveness of sin. Thank you for settling that on your cross, Lord. Forgive me uh, as I continue to wrestle with the flesh that desires rebellion. It, it drives me crazy, Lord. Please forgive me. And I pray that uh, you would do the same for anyone else who asks. And we ask it in Christ's name for your glory. Amen.